Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-ball match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody. There ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here. Chicago here. Jamie on my left. Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday. Wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com, WrestlingTWT, also Instagram, WrestlingTWT. And guess what? We have a YouTube page. It is live, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You can go back and listen to some of the great interviews that we have done on our YouTube page as well. Thanks so much for listening. Tell people about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday at 9.30 Central Time on ESPN 1000, we have our show, except for this Tuesday because we've got the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. So even though we're not on ESPN 1000, I always will take care of you with a podcast so that way we never miss every Tuesday. So glad that you're in today. We have a number of things to talk about this past Saturday at the Cicero Stadium in Chicago. I was there to see Major League Wrestling. MLW came with his third consecutive sellout of that venue at Cicero Stadium. It was terrific. I'll tell you about that. Also, you can see changes with the W. WWE. If you're watching Raw, if you're watching SmackDown, you can tell that there are some changes happening because of the influence of not just Paul Heyman, Bruce Pritchard, and others. So we'll get into that uh, conversation coming up. Uh, and we will talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling both were in Dallas, Texas. We will talk to our first guest, Stu Myrick, who is a talk show host at The Horn in Austin, Texas. He does a great job traveling across the country to a lot of these wrestling events. We're going to reach out to Stu Myrick first time on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and get his uh, firsthand account of what happened in the Metroplex as New Japan came to Dallas for the G1 tournament. Here's my conversation now with Stu Myrick from The Horn in Austin right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And joining us now here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, a friend of the program, Stu Myrick from The Horn uh, in Austin. You can go to the website, by the way, hornfm.com, and Stu was there in the Metroplex to see what was happening on a big wrestling weekend. Stu, welcome to the program. How are you? Man, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, the, the wrestling world came to the Metroplex this past weekend. Uh, are, were you surprised, number one, that New Japan uh, came to Dallas for the G1? Absolutely. When it was announced uh, back January 4 during Wrestle Kingdom, and they showed that graphic, you know, July 6th, the American Airlines Center in Dallas, of you know, because because New Japan had been concentrating mainly on the West Coast, and they've got done a couple things, you know, in Carolina. But to come to Dallas, Texas, which look, Dallas, Texas is you know filled 
with wrestling legacy. You know, go back to the world class days and the Von Erichs and everything. Um, but it was a little bit of a surprise. But then you started thinking about it, their relationship with Access TV, Mark Cuban, the owner of Access TV, as well as the owner of the Mavericks, and it kind of made sense. And so I was thrilled that they that they ran Dallas. And it was, I think, Dallas fans and Texas wrestling fans would agree it was a great, great show. I, I want to know your thoughts and what stood out most about what you saw from the New Japan action. You know, it's, it's interesting because... And, and especially because, think about it, Monday Night Raw was was in the very same building five days earlier. Mm-hmm. So you had you had a very, you know you had that that contrast in styles between WWE and New Japan. Uh, it was it was a phenomenal show. It was interesting because New Japan treated it like a you know a, any other G one night. You know it could have been. They could have been in Budokan or they could have been in Hokkaido or whatever. It felt like a normal New Japan show. It just so happened that it was in the in the home of the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Stars. So it, I like that. I like that they. I, I kind of like that they didn't make it bigger than what it was. Uh, Stu, I, I do have to ask. I wonder what was booked first, the WWE or New Japan for that building, because that's really close. <laughs> it, it is really close. I and I, I wonder that too. I got a feeling that because I think we know WWE books their buildings usually six to eight months in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a feeling it may have been like right next to each other. Maybe been one of those things where both of them. And I have a feeling that, that one didn't have anything to do with the other. I think it was just it was just a happy coincidence. Yeah, Stu, you know, I, I know I'm sure you've read the same thing I've read about the attendance there at the American Airlines Center. And and my thought on it is this is that that is the Dave Melter I guess the Dave Melterification of today's wrestling fan. They're more concerned about who's not there versus what's in the ring. Uh look, I I'm a I'm a Chicago White Sox fan, and more times than not there's about you know, 15,000, maybe in a good day, 20,000 fans that holds a 40, you know, 40,000 people in that arena and in that, in that stadium. It doesn't matter who's not there. If I'm having a good time, that's what really matters. But I'm, uh, but the, um, the lack of, of uh, butts and seats was a, a big story. And, and my thought is, well, I mean, as long as the action's good, I don't care who's not there. I will tell you, I was I was hoping there would be a bigger crowd for it just because of knowing how special it is. Sure. Having said that, and 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 I'll be and when they announced it back in January, I was a little surprised they they would run the AAC because again that is that's by far the biggest arena they've ran in the U.S. by by themselves. They had the MSG show, but remember that was that was New Japan and Ring of Honor. That was announced while you know Omega and Cody and everybody was still in their respective companies. This was New Japan on its own in a in a market they haven't been to yet in easily a fifteen to six you know fifteen seventeen thousand seat arena. So I was hoping there'd be more, but I tell you what, the the five thousand or so that were there, they made it sound like it was bigger. So I, I I'm so grateful that the fans that were there enjoyed it, showed their support, and I think New Japan's got to be impressed 
with the with the spirit and the loyalty of those fans. They were they were hot from start to finish. You know, you go to the first match with with Gorillas to Destiny and Rapongi 3K all the way through, and especially when the main event hit. I mean, as soon as they made the ring announcements, the place exploded. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. That's great. So, so would you have preferred for them to run the, the K Hutchinson Center or Moody Coliseum instead? You know, it's if it was if they were worried about if if they were concerned about making it look like a bigger house, I would have said yes. Run a smaller arena, whether it was KBL Hudson Center or, or Moody Coliseum or something like that. At the same time, there is something to you know pres- the prestige of holding it in the American Airlines Center. Uh, it, and American Airlines Center is a beautiful arena. Don't get me wrong; mm-hmm. it's it's a fantastic arena. It's right there in the heart of Dallas. Uh, you've got Victory Plaza. You've got all the all the great stuff that's around it. So it's it's a great spot. It's it's kind of I'm kind of half halfway on it. You know, it's kind right. of like I would have liked seeing it look like a bigger show, but at the same time, it was really neat that it, they were running the same building that WWE runs. And I would I would say the the crowd was a whole lot louder. Yeah, I I guess Stu, that from my standpoint, it's. It's your first time running, and it's not like a United States territory where, hey, you know what, we didn't draw well now, but you know next time around it'll get bigger and bigger. It's your first time. And I guess because of Mark Cuban's involvement and his influence, I don't think he would have wanted it anywhere else except his building, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And that's the thing, and I think that's, that's the one thing, you know, I think a lot of the concern about the MTCs was the simple fact that New Japan may not come back. Right. Look, Mark Cuban owns Access TV. Access TV has this great relationship with New Japan. They're going to show the the Saturday G One shows same day, late you know later in the day. So that's good. I've got a feeling Mark as as long as that relationship stays strong, I got a feeling we're going to see New Japan back in the AAC uh, some in in the near future. Stu, I I thought that the Will Osprey. I haven't seen all of it because it is a long. I saw it on a lot of it on Access. I haven't seen the entire card, but I did see Will Osprey against Lance uh, Archer, Dallas guy, and I think that that was that was his coming out party. I already knew that Lance Archer was a terrific uh, performer, but when you're taking on a next level guy like Will Osprey, I think that 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 really helped Archer and that really helped catapult his career. Oh, absolutely! Look, I. I Lance is a good friend of mine, and you know, again, like you said, from the Dallas area. I don't know if you know this. He actually played quarterback at Texas State way back in the day. Wow, I so did not know there's that. a little bit of a football <laughs> tie. Uh, but in Lance and I, Lance and I are friends. Lance, you know, besides his New Japan commitments, uh, does a lot of the lot of the uh, promotions in Texas. Works, you know, works matches. And in fact, he and I had been helping. You know, we I was helping him with some promotion for the show. And um, hold on one second. Let me. Uh, so let me get back to it. Uh, I know that he was so excited for that match, and especially with all the all the pub Will Osprey had gotten for uh, for his comments. You know, the Twitter little little Twitter beef with Seth Rollins, and even Will, you know, played it off as, "Look, it was just two guys having fun." So the fact that Lance came out and put on that kind of match. I know he could put on that kind of match, but it was really great to see that on that big stage. Uh, none, you know, 
besides the new look, which absolutely floored me, I texted him afterwards. I said, so you paid somebody to do that to your hair? <laughs> um, but, and I do that because I love him, and hopefully he won't, you know, claw me. Uh, but, yeah, that was a, it was a fantastic match. That's probably one of the better Lance, Lance I, I keep calling him Lance Hoyt, mm-hmm. Lance Archer matches that I've seen from him. Uh, obviously, the the using the Iron Claw in Dallas. I mean, come on! That, how else are you going to have a Dallas guy win a match like that in Dallas than having the Iron Claw applied to Will Osprey? That was it was really neat. It really was. Um, and every time that we see Okada and Tanahashi, Stu, you know, we we could. I remember when Jim Ross was doing New Japan, he and he continued to make that parallel of Flair Steamboat. I tell you, Flair, Flair Steamboat is some of the best matches that I've ever seen. And when I see Okada Tanahashi, I can understand the parallel because these two, we know it's an inherent rivalry in New Japan, but I, I've never seen a bad Okada Tanahashi match. Have you? Uh, no, no. And they, they, I think it was expected that it would be like that. Um, you know, again, that was when it was announced, you know, the, when the brackets were announced and the, and the, and the, you know, the blocks and everything. And you saw that, you know, Dallas was going to get Tanahashi and Okada. I mean, that's a dream match. And that's a dream match that I'm pretty sure nobody even dreamed, pun intended, of it happening outside of Japan. And so to bring that match to the United States and to Dallas, Texas, again, I mean, I said it earlier, both men come out. I mean, and the place is going nuts. And they're doing the ring announce, the, the, the introductions. As soon as the bell rang, place explodes. You could feel that energy. And you, and you could see it from both, from both Tanahashi and Okada. They were impressed. I mean, they could tell that this was a big moment. They could tell that this crowd was really, I mean, this crowd was hanging on every move, every inch that they would make. And it was just it was it was an energy that you don't see very often, and you knew how special it was. And for them to put on the match that they did, and then at the end, I was there. I was so lucky to be there. So, uh, you know, my show is a uh, media partner with the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame mm-hmm. in Wichita Falls. The president, Cowboy Johnny Mantel, you know, world-class star, had wrestled in New Japan for quite some time. He and I were hanging out together the, those couple days and talking to some of the new fan stars cowboy johnny mantel who has wrestled fujinami and all the greats and and has wrestled you know countless matches he was impressed he said that was the best wrestling show he had seen in a long time and that's high praise coming from a legend like cowboy johnny mantel that tells you how impressive they were it was so funny friday during the press conferences johnny told hiroshi tanahashi that he reminded him of Kerry Von Erich with the look and the stature and the moves. And Tanahashi, you could tell, was was moved by that. He was very appreciative of that. So it was an amazing match, and what a way to cap off a historic night in Dallas. Yeah, I saw the picture that you had with, with Johnny. He can still go. Can he still go? I think he's I, I think he's ready. <laughs> uh, he's, no, I think I think his wrestling days are long beyond him. He's, he was wearing a neck brace. He's been having some balance issues, and so he's been wearing this neck brace kind of help with his balance issues you know after all those years of of wear and tear you know he's i think he's quite happy now he does train they have a they have a some uh training going on in wichita falls they have a room 
above the Hall of Fame where they they'll bring you know guys in and let them train and learn from Johnny and some of the some of the other legends that come through. Uh, speaking of world class, you went to the hallowed um, grounds of where of the Sportatorium, where the Sportatorium was. Uh, that would have been emotional for me as much as you know when the um, syndication came to Chicago to watch world class championship wrestling in the mid eighties. It was uh, something special, Stu, and to see that ground and no stadium there that's uh, that's tough for a longtime wrestling fan. You know, it's that's what I grew up on. That was my. My introduction to pro wrestling was world class wrestling, mid south wrestling, and you know, and I grew I grew up two hours east of Dallas in a little town called Gladewater, and you know, so every Saturday, and, and I had and I had it even better because not only we got the the six p.m. you know show from Sportatorium with Bill Mercer, who has since become a very dear friend, and 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 what a wonderful one one of the most underrated voices in professional wrestling. By the way, he's going into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Wow. This year, so that tells you something about him. He was the first radio voice for the Texas Rangers, first radio voice for the Dallas Cowboys. Called the Ice Bowl for CBS Radio back in the day. But to be there, and I got to see. So 6 p.m. would be the world class show, the syndicated one that went out everywhere. And then at 10 p.m., Channel 11 in Fort Worth, now CBS 11, would show two hours of world class from Fort Worth, and it was Mark Lawrence would do that, do that broadcast. So. My, my, you know, formative years in wrestling, I was set. I got three hours of world class, and it felt like it wasn't enough. And, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, juxtapose that with three hours of Raw. But it was so much fun. And so to go to where the Sportatorium used to sit, and, and yeah, it is, it's just a vacant lot. They've actually changed, you know, because you always heard on the corner of Industrial and Katie's. Well, now... Industrial is now called Riverfront Boulevard mm-hmm. uh, because they want to do some sort of a river thing with development or whatever, I don't know. But to stand there and to imagine, you know, the the energy that would happen on that on that ground in that building, and heard I've heard thousands of stories about being in that building. It was hot. It smelled like stale beer and. <laughs> and, uh, and especially in the summer, but there was no better place to watch wrestling especially in Texas, than the world-famous Sportatorium. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing that picture of what the uh, what it looks like now. Um, I, I do want to switch gears and ask you about Impact Wrestling. Uh, Stu, it's, it's so much wrestling. Oh, my God, it's so much wrestling. I can't, I can't say that I was following step-by-step step everything that was going on with Impact Wrestling, but I was reading, to, to leading into the Slammiversary event in Dallas. I, I'll tell you this, Stu, I mean... That is just the family member that just won't die. I mean that that is, Impact Wrestling just continues to have a heartbeat no matter what, and that was an impressive card. And I just want to find out your thoughts because I I think that based on the card from top to bottom with Brian Cage and the Impact Wrestling title, Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard, I think uh, I think they did well for that anniversary show. Absolutely, they did. It was a, it was a fantastic show. I think it exceeded a lot of people's expectations. And like I said, yeah, Impact Wrestling is that one that just, they're they're just going to keep going no matter what, no matter what story you hear, they're still sticking around. And I hope that, I hope that the, the you know, we've heard these rumors about them finding a new TV home. It might be Access TV, might be somewhere else. I hope those come to fruition because what they've been doing in the last six months is is really really good and they need 
it just, they just need more people to see it, and that's part of the problem. Is you know they're they're on the Pursuit Channel, which I think I don't know. I know Spectrum Cable doesn't carry it. I know uh, uh, AT and Verse doesn't carry it. You know, very few people carry it, and then of course they tout their their stuff on Twitch. But you know, unless you're you know technologically savvy, you know nobody's going to pull up Twitch. So, but they've got so much good content, and that show was fantastic. You mentioned Cage and Elgin. Uh, the main event, I, I was just, I was a little surprised that they, they that they put Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard on the main event. What's what's ironic is we see both of them here in Austin at Russell Circus, mm-hmm. and they actually shot a thing. I don't know if they ever made it on, and I'm I may be giving away some of that's okay because it's already happened. Right. They shot a deal, so Tessa Blanchard was at the last Russell Circus show, wrestled Scorpio Sky. Great match at the end. Sky gives her all the props. Gives her the ring. So Tessa's in the ring, soaking up the fans' you know adulation. Here comes Sammy, uh, package pile driver, you know, gets all the booze and leaves. So I don't know if it made air, but that was kind of to help build that rivalry. Uh, it was an ama- it was a great match. Look, Tessa Blanchard, you can you can tell that the the you know the lineage is there. You can see a lot of Tully in her and and a lot of Joe in her. It was a great match, a great card from top to bottom. The fact that it was in Gillies in Dallas, which is a great little arena. It's it's a, it's a ballroom. Ring of Honor ring, runs there when they come through Dallas. NXT just ran there a couple months ago, and it's a good spot because it looks it looks so much bigger. You know, we were talking about with New Japan. It looks big. It can fit a lot of people without it being like just you know cavernous. Mm-hmm. So great job by Impact Wrestling. Uh, a fantastic show, and I'm I'm really interested to see what now that how that build to Bound for Glory in October. Yeah, everything is uh, awareness. And by the way, that Bound for Glory happens to be <clears throat> in my backyard. That's right. The uh, the <laughs> and in your way. That's right. The, the mecca. Oh, hey, uh, the so mecca of wrestling. We're, we're, we will pass the torch on to you now. <laughs> The the mecca of wrestling here in Chicago that we there's, a, there's about ten twelve cards this year we're gonna I'm spoiled uh, for 2019 I, Stu I tell you what that's that's why I felt this weekend I was at I did a I did a uh, independent promotion card uh, on Friday and I ended up on commentary <laughs> doing and it was a uh, it was uh, crime time and the OG OG LAX Homicide and Hernandez were on there mm-hmm. it was a fantastic show had a blast. So yeah, I had I was rest I was wrestling you know twenty four seven this weekend. It was and it was I I couldn't have asked for better. It was just a fantastic weekend up in Dallas. Stu, last thing I have for you, and I appreciate your time. I just want to get your thoughts overall on the state of the business. There is so much to watch. There is a ton. Uh, that's not enough hours in the day to be able to catch up with all of this stuff and watch it. But boy, it's I think that that wrestling is uh, is is alive and well on all levels, isn't it? I mean, if yeah, if you're a wrestling fan in 2019, I mean, how how spoiled can you get? You've got you've got all these companies that in all of on TV. I mean, MLW has got a great show on being sports. You've got Ring of Honor still. You've got AEW coming this fall to TNT. WWE may try to turn a different direction. We may see something different from them. And the winners are the fans. This is what. This is the way the you know if if it can sustain it, this will be a magical time. People will talk about this era in wrestling, 
the way that people talk about the territory days and the and the Monday Night Wars, in the fact that you have so much content and so many different styles, you're not going to see the same thing from WWE to AEW to Ring of Honor to New Japan to Impact to MLW. You're going to see different things, and that's that's the that's the best thing about this is that there's going to be something for everybody. Stu, I'm glad you spent some time. I hope I can return the favor sometime soon because uh, there's a lot of wrestling to talk about, and I'm glad that you uh, had a bird's-eye view of all of it in the Metroplex. I appreciate it, yes. Uh, one of these days, I need to get you on Sports Guys Talking Wrestling, and we'll we'll chop up about what's happening in Chicago and, and, and everywhere else in pro wrestling. Thank you, Stu. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Great hearing from Stu Myrick from The Horn. In Austin, Texas, about Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, as I mentioned, I went to the MLW show that took place in Chicago. And man, I tell you what, Kings of Coliseum, that's going to be a memorable show because of a television taping and they had, uh, another TV taping, which I will not give spoilers for. You can look those up yourself. But boy, that was um, a terrific show. Let me turn to the CEO of MLW, Court Bauer. His thoughts on the show in Chicago and also the First pay-per-view for MLW taking place at that same venue, the Cicero Stadium in Chicago, the mecca of pro wrestling. Let's hear from Court Bauer right now. Court Bauer joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as I had a fantastic time this past Saturday for MLW. Court Bauer joins me here for a recap and also the big announcement for MLW in November. Court, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's good to be on with you. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm still just um, in awe of this past Saturday being there uh, with the media, watching a sellout hot crowd in Chicago. I am just – a couple of things before we even talk about what happened Saturday. I'm just impressed by the amount of people for a sellout crowd uh, when it's Cubs-White Sox weekend here in Chicago. You know, coming into that that particular weekend, I'm thinking, oh, Cubs Sox, you know, that's going to take a lot of attention. But yet the fans still came out because they want to see great wrestling action. It just shows you how strong the wrestling fan here is in Chicago. Cubs Sox weekend and still the third sellout for MLW. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I didn't even know that that until you told me that and you know you, you wonder if you could do a three-peat sellout and to see you know here in new york we have the yankee Mets rivalry which uh, i don't think is as big right now as, as the cubbies and Sox. so when i heard that and to know we had a little bit of a late arriving crowd like, why are they why are they late and it didn't occur to me and now you know you, you've done the analysis for me and so we ended up selling out three times in a row and uh, you know, Chicago is numero uno for us. We've done, we've smashed all our attendance records, all of our merchandise records in Chicago. There's, there's so much history for us already, just having been to Chicago a few times. So we figured, let's up the stakes, let's do pay-per-view in our hottest town, in our biggest building, and, and give them arguably the greatest fans in the United States a heck of a night. Uh, November 2nd when we bring pay-per-view to them. Pay-per-views coming to Chicago. I cannot believe it. Your, your first pay-per-view is going to be in Chicago. And and so uh, at the event, there was, you could, people were buying tickets at, at the event, right? And so how's, how's those ticket sales after, uh, during MLW on Saturday? So we, we put tickets on sale for the audience that came out. 
uh, give back a little bit to the audience so they get first dibs on the pay-per-view. And uh, we sold out ringside. We, we tickets moved a lot of tickets in a very brief window where we had them on sale. And so whatever's left is going to go on sale July 15th, uh, this coming Monday at 10 a.m. Central at MLWTickets.com. And uh, we're, we're planning to have a big show for you guys in November. So get those tickets now. It's going to be a, a historic night. I uh, I want to talk to you about a, a couple of things from Saturday. There is a, a brand new MLW heavyweight champion in Jacob Fatu. I was talking to fans, and, and you know, even though I'm part of the media, I'm still talking to the fans at, at ringside about the action because we just can't help it. Um, Court, there, there's something very dangerous about Contra. You're close to it, so maybe you don't see it like we see it, but on television and in person, there's something dangerous about that group. And now Jacob Fatu is the heavyweight champion and uh, defeating Tom Lawler. Man, that's uh, what, what, how's that changed the, the fortunes for MLW with them having the title? Well, it, it, it takes the entire league and flips it on, it flips it on its head. Um, what we saw happen was uh, a pretty shocking result with that pop moonsault from the top rope and then a, a one, two, three. Uh, the, the Simone smashing machine was pretty dominant in yeah. that match. And Tom Waller, people forget, uh, has been undefeated for like a year and a half in MLW prior to winning the title, you know, prior to winning the battle riot last uh, summer in New York City. Uh, he was on a hot streak and he had gone through everyone. And, and then he met 300 pound Jacob Fatu and things were a bit, a little bit different. Um, so that was, that was a wild night. And, Seeing contrary, you know, when they came to Chicago, they made their real debut on March 2nd. And they, when you see Jacob Fatu climb that cage after a low-key Lawler match and just hit that big splash from the top of the cage, that was a big statement. Another big statement of their day was almost causing a riot in Chicago at the last event. So these guys are very real. They're as real as they get. Uh, they are really dangerous. Uh, there's a lot of questions about where they come from, who's behind them, what's their game plan. And I think now we're going to see a little bit more of them uh, as this new era is ushered in, as the rise of Contra begins this summer. And that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out on MLW Fusion, on BN, but also uh, what's that mean? I mean, if you look at L.A. Parks, he has the golden ticket, having won the 2019 Battle Riot. Uh, how's that changed? Selena De Laurentiis' plans. Now, is Tom Waller going to invoke his rematch clause as a former champion and when? Uh, Davey Boy Smith has made uh, it known that he wants the shot at the world championship this year. So uh, there's a lot of interesting things swirling around that world title, and uh, everyone wants it. Yeah, uh, I think that Contra gets the biggest reaction. And, of course, definitely a close second on that list is the Dynasty as – I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm throwing like my wallet. I'm giving like all of my everything I own to Alexander Hammerstone because I think he's a star uh, as the uh, the openweight champion and a future world heavyweight champion. I just think that he is. That's the third time I've seen him in person. And Corey, I'm telling you, he he is great, and he's aligned himself with the dynasty. But that's I think that guy is really impressive. What stands out most about Hammerstone's persona and his uh, in ring work? His, his aptitude, you, you tell him something once and he, he can get it done. Um, he has an incredible attitude. 
uh, his, his ability just to go out there and uh, exceed your expectations is, is very rare when uh, you see someone jump on the scene that's new. You know, you know those guys have it. They have that X factor. Uh, he can shred him on promos. He's incredible when the bell rings. And uh, you look at him. He just looks like a top-level guy. But he, it's not an artificial thing. I mean, he backs it up. When that bell rings, he backs it up. When you see him talk, he backs it up. Uh, he's seen his performances thus far in competition. He backs it up. So you know, he is kind of essentially an earmark as a, as, a, as a franchise player. In MLW, I have what I call the Fusion Five. And I just told Alex this past weekend, you just entered my Fusion Five. It's the five people I build the entire league around. Uh, and he's he's arrived this year. And Contra, along with, with Alex Samerstone, all new faces to MLW in 2019, we're constantly looking for the next big thing. We're constantly scouting all over the United States, all over the world for a great talent. We just debuted Zen Shi, uh, double champion from South America. Uh, so we're constantly finding that, you know, we're playing wrestling money ball, finding undiscovered talent, undervalued talent, and uh, putting them in our machine, in our system. And I think the fans at home are benefiting from it. So, so are the talent. So we're really we're excited to see what's still to come. So now it's time to move on to New York City, July 25th, as Davy Boy Smith grapples with uh, Timothy, Timothy Thatcher for Never Say Never uh, for uh, MLW. Yeah. That's that's great. That's going to be a, a terrific matchup. I know you're looking forward to NYC on the 25th. Yeah, you know, some people say, that's oh, great book. I'm like, you know what? You put those two names on a piece of paper. That's not that's not great booking. That's easy booking. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were able to bring in Tim Thatcher, one of the first names I saw on the other side of my roster was Davy Boy Smith Jr. I said, "Oh my gosh, those two! Once the bell rings and you see those guys just throw down, it's going to be incredible because they're both phenomenal mechanically as as technical wrestlers, submission artists, um, real and, and and Timothy Thatcher, you know." He's a, he's not a small guy, you know. Clears easily six. He's about six one six two. Uh, David Boy six six. Uh, this is a great heavyweight technical matchup. But David Boy being a catch wrestling guru, doing Brazilian jiu jitsu, doing kickboxing, cross training, and and Timothy Thatcher picking up all this new stuff from Europe and being such an incredible technical uh, grappler. This one is just going to if you're technical wrestling, the sweet science of pro wrestling. There ain't going to be much better than this this summer. So, again, MLW Saturday Night Super Fight coming back to Chicago November 2nd. Uh, the first pay-per-view. I, I know that you're excited and putting things together. I guess I have to call you later to find out uh, some information. I know that uh, you're putting the pay-per-view together now, but I got we're going we're gonna to need some clues here between now and uh, November 2nd. <laughs> I have a board in my room here in my office, and I can I wish I could tell you what's on it, but I I can't share it quite yet. But we definitely have some matches. It's pretty much locked in. Uh, I can confirm that we will have all the world titles, all the championships on the line, uh, and that all the talent that you've seen in MLW, they're going to be at this event. And for us, it's it's a it's a big benchmark. Uh, it's a historic night. Uh, we've done our live network specials, but to give the fans, you know, a three hour event you know for 1995 and make it available to the world uh that's a big that's a big uh benchmark for us and and for our locker room and it's really important i think for them they want to have those matches those big matches and for chicago to host it 
only made sense to me. So we're excited about it. And uh, if you're watching MLW Fusion this Saturday night on BN and every week on BN or on YouTube, uh, start watching for those seeds. We're planting them for November 2nd for Saturday Night Super Fight. It's, it's there. It's all in front of you. You just got to look for it. And, and as time goes on, you'll start to see it come together. So that's a hint, I guess. Yeah, it is. It's a slight hint, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the hint is keep watching our show. That way, you know what the hell's going on for November second. That, that was that's <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, Monday, uh, July fifteenth, ten o'clock Central Time. Tickets uh, will be available for Super Fight. Right. You got it. 10, 10 a.m. MLW tickets.com. Get those tickets. This thing is going to sell out. We're going four for four on sellouts. And this is a historic night. We really want to be a part of this one. This one's going to be one for the ages. You're going to get some incredible matches. And uh, this is something we're going to share with the world. So be a part. Court, as always, I appreciate it. Congratulations on the sellout and congratulations. Pay-per-view coming back to Chicago November 2nd. It's going to be a lot of fun. See you soon, Jonathan. Great to hear from Court Bauer, the CEO of MLW. Man, what a terrific show that I went to in Chicago to see that sellout crowd. I tell you, to see MJF, to see Maxwell J. Friedman in person, along with the Dynasty, it's one of the hottest factions in wrestling right now. It's no doubt about it. Um, Alexander Hammerstone, as I was talking to Court about, I just think that the Dynasty is, is great. Very impressive. I mean, very impressed by Hammerstone, the national openweight champion, Selena De La Renta um, gets a huge reaction every time that she steps out. I think she was out there two or three times throughout the entire night at MLW, so that's really fun. And the changing of the guard with the new heavyweight champion. I mean, with Jacob Fatu, the new world champion for MLW, that's going to turn heads, and I can see how the booking can be a little bit different here because now you're trying to grow your, your baby faces or other contenders for the World Heavyweight Championship, so... That's going to be a, a lot of interesting uh, twists and turns with MLW. So I had a lot of fun talking to some of the fans and also some of the other media and podcasters that were there. So I'm looking forward to November when MLW comes back to Chicago. And by the way, there are a ton of shows taking place in Chicago uh, coming up for the rest of this 2019 calendar year. Shimmer. Uh, run by Dave Prezak, will also run on November 2nd with their um, women's wrestling show. I think that's going to be in Berwyn, Illinois. I know that the WWE will be here with uh, Survivor Series. The NXT's coming during that same weekend. I'm just going off the top of my head. I know that Bound for Glory, it's been rumored, but I believe Bound for Glory is going to be at the Odium in Villa Park, Illinois, uh, in October and there's a lot of other shows taking place as well uh, around the country coming to Chicago because this is the hotbed. I tell you, there is going to be and always has been a lot of great shows uh, in the state of Illinois, but definitely in the city of Chicago. So look forward to that moving forward throughout 2019. There is a, to me, a distinct difference between Monday Night Raw last week and Monday Night Raw taking place on July 8th. I don't know what happened to the show. We heard that there was going to be a changing of the guard as far as Paul Heyman being the producer, one of the top producers for Monday Night Raw. So before we even delve into what happened last night on Raw, 
I think that you know this, but I think it just needs to be said that you and I as wrestling fans just want to see something different. You're looking for new. You're looking for fresh when it comes to pro wrestling. And if you are looking at professional wrestling and seeing the same angles, the interviews done the same way, how it's produced and directed the same way, it can get boring. Monday Night Raw has been stale for a long time. I've told you many times that I can't get through a three-hour Raw. I can watch clips. I can watch a shortened version on Hulu. I can do a lot of different things, but I can't sit through three hours of that every Monday. Thank God I work weeknights because I just can't see myself watching this because it would ruin my experience and my feeling about professional wrestling if I'm watching Monday Night Raw. Raw is the flagship for many wrestling fans. What happens on Raw usually resonates throughout professional wrestling throughout the country and around the world because Raw is the number one show on the WWE, even though I'm more of a SmackDown fan. And I've said that for many years. I've preferred SmackDown over Raw for well over 10, 15 years. But I, I just, I don't understand how you go in one direction last week where it wasn't great last week, but it was much better than what we've seen. You could tell based on the production. You could tell based on some of the new things that were implemented that Paul Heyman or Bruce Pritchard or some others had influence on the show. This week on July 8th, I saw a show that was very similar to other shows that we've seen for Monday Night Raw. Was it Vince McMahon said, okay, you gave us your best shot. Now let me give you something. I'm going to give you what I think the show should be. And this is what I talked about last week. That Vince McMahon will always have it his way because it's his ball. It's his company. I think that you can oversee a company and not necessarily be so hands-on that you just put your 75, 80-year-old eyes on the product and believe that you're doing what's best for what the wrestling crowd wants for 2019. There's way too much Shane McMahon on Raw. When Shane was in his prime, whenever you think his prime was, he was an attraction. Shane McMahon's out there every week, and I still don't get it. If he's there to try to get heat, fine. But it's not necessarily the heat that is a good heat. Sometimes, I think when he's out there when he speaks, it's go-away heat. And I don't know how that makes Drew McIntyre better with him out there. McIntyre alone is a force and should be one of the top contenders and should be a draw for the World Heavyweight Championship. Aligning himself with Shane McMahon, what does that do for Drew? What does it do for Shane? He's out there way too much. That main event on Raw. So it is a masked man and Roman Reigns against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. The partner for Roman Reigns was chosen, I guess, by Shane and Drew McIntyre. It's a masked dude. He comes out there and he doesn't look like much. And all of a sudden he explodes like a luchador. Like, who is this guy? And... This is something that's been done forever, because I've been watching wrestling forever. When there is a mystery man under the mask, along with a baby face, and they're taking on two heels, the finish is supposed to be the baby face is getting over, 
the reveal of who's underneath the mask, and it's like, oh, it's this guy, oh my god. Or you already knew it, tongue-in-cheek. And then a, the reveal is supposed to pop the crowd. I don't know how the WWE fucked this up. I can't. I don't understand how they did this. How is it that in that main event where there's a mystery man that Roman Reigns and the masked man don't win? It's been it's as old as the hills <laughs> that that finish, but yet Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre won, and then you got a flat crowd, uh, and then fade to black at the end of Raw. That did nothing for anybody. Who did that do for? Was Shane for Drew McIntyre? I don't you know I don't understand it. I don't know understand how Rey Mysterio comes back from his shoulder issue had to relinquish his championship. And says, you know what? I'm going to have an open invitation to anybody in the back. Well, this is not quite John Cena in his open invitation for the U.S. title. You can understand that at that time because John was making others better. And he's putting on great matches on Raw with that open invitation. Rey Mysterio calling out people from the back say, hey, I want to take on anybody, all comers. That's unusual, number one. And number two, he gets destroyed by Bobby Lashley. Lashley's already over. Was it due to beat a veteran and someone that I thought the WWE was trying to build on and Rey Mysterio? Was that due for Rey? Comes back from the injury and gets beat by Bobby Lashley. I thought that Ricochet in this program here uh, with uh, the uh, Good Brothers and AJ Styles, I liked the match with Carl Anderson and Ricochet. Um, but... You know, I can see AJ Styles is is has turned here, and you got to make that group dominant, like they were in Japan. AJ Styles is still a big name, but I don't think he deserves mid card. I think that that faction you, we already saw it works, but it's just got to be able to be more viable. It just can't just be a segment. They have to be able to tear up and run roughshod through the WWE as a strong faction. I don't know. I uh, I watched a lot of this show, and there's some good wrestling that I like. Like, I'll give me an example. The uh, the first match, there was there was good to see the World Heavyweight Champion, the I'm sorry, the Universal Champion, and Seth Rollins, and Andrade Cien almost in that mixed tag with uh, Becky Lynch and Selena. Um. You know, the only thing that was weird about that match, and again, I like the action to start off with because I'd rather have action than a promo. I'll tell you that. The positive is is that I didn't get a 20-minute promo. It was actually a match. It, just, it was a weird thing because, you know, once Almost's tag team partner was tapping out, Becky Lynch was just standing there on the, on the apron for like 10, 15 minutes. It was weird. Don't understand that. But I like the action, though. And for the most part, the in-ring action is good. It's just some of the storytelling is just a little bit off. I don't think that WWE is bad. I won't be that guy that tells you that the WWE is bad. And we're going to hear from uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer and what they had to say about Raw momentarily. I just think it's about being able to connect the storylines together. That's the issue with the WWE. They, they need a continuity director or someone better to be able to link these things together for it to make sense. 
that's the thing that is a problem for me with the WWE. Otherwise, when they get to the pay-per-view, I, I think about the last pay-per-view, is they get ready for Extreme Rules. The pay-per-view they had last in Tacoma, a lot of people were negative and down on that pay-per-view. But Seth Rollins and, and Baron Corbin did a nice job. I thought that it was a very good, not great, but a good show. And that was a good main event. And so there's just a lot of things that are head-scratching about the creative. But once they get into the ring, though, there's a lot of really solid action. But you compare that to some of these other shows that you watch. I know that I watch. Clearly, when I'm watching NXT UK or watching NXT or watching MLW or watching uh, Ring of Honor or some of these other organizations, you can see how everything's connected. There's a story to be told. I understand that some of these other organizations that are not the WWE don't have a pay-per-view every month. They are are not having to uh, produce a Raw and a SmackDown and some of these other shows just for the, for the WWE Network. You know, I understand that there's a lot of wrestling. But it doesn't mean your storylines have to be bad. You get three hours. Connect the storylines. Connect the dots. Make them make sense. I won't go as far as Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talking about how Raw is WCW 2000. Because <laughs> that was that's pretty bad. That was a bad era. Uh, but... There are some things that could really, really be different. And you can tell there's a transition. But when will it be a watchable product every single week where you say the wrestling's good and the stories they're telling are good and the interviews are good and we see something unique? Wrestling, when it's good, is unique. It's different. You're, you expect the unexpected. And with Raw, it's always the same. And with SmackDown, lately, it's always the same. Brian Alvarez, Dave Meltzer on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. What the hell's going on with Raw? Man, It was right back to where it was two weeks ago. I am It was like Dallas. (laughs) I knew you'd like that reference. Yeah, I was so confused. I, um... I was so busy with stuff like After Raw that I didn't... I was like, I didn't even bother because I was just like so, so dumbfounded when it was over. But... I know everything you're probably going to say, and I, I was just, it's like, and I've gotten like, you know, email after email from people asking all the same questions and tr- trying to make sense out of this, and I cannot do so. Um, There's no know. sense to be made of this. I I mean, yeah, it like went back to what it was. It's just, I mean, you debut Rey Mysterio like that, you know, you that deal with the end with, with um the mystery guy, you know, and everything. It's like that that is like classic old school wrestling, except the baby face team wins. I'm every time and then you unmatch. I mean, it's like I've seen that you know, I can't say I've seen it done twenty times, but I've seen it done ten times, and it always works. It's the easiest thing in the world. You just pull the freaking mask off, but the, the baby face has to win. <laughs> so some thoughts there from Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Live. I agree with them. I totally agree with them. I was thinking the same thing when I watched it, and then I went this morning to hear what they had to say, and you know what? To justify a lot of things I was thinking when it comes to pro wrestling um, and sports entertainment, I guess in this case with the WWE. Man. So I'm looking forward to 
the next event for the WWE for their Extreme Rules pay-per-view. And there's so many other things, too, that's going on. AEW as well. Um, AEW continues to trend. People are very interested in the product. Fight for the Fallen is coming up very soon. Their uh, live stream event where there's the Young Bucks against Cody and Dustin Rhodes. SEMA against Kenny Omega. The Lucha Brothers against SoCal Uncensored. And I I think that Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, and uh, Chris Daniels, I really love that act. I think that that's a great, that's a fun faction. I think they're supposed to be heels, but people love them so much that they come across as baby faces. Brandy Rose will be wrestling against Allie in that one. Hangman Page against Kip Sabian. So it's um, it's a really good show on Saturday, Ju- July 13th. And they have a buy-in pre-show. Here's the thing. What, uh, I guess they have, their buy- have a buy-in pre-show for those that are watching internationally. But I don't know why. The, what, what, if, is the pre-show going to be as bad as the other two pre-shows for AEW? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sean Spears, MJF, Sammy Guevara, uh, I guess Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. Oh, man. That, looks, uh, that sounds like a cluster. That's going to be uh, interesting, but it's going to be Saturday night, and of course, we'll talk about that uh, show next week, and uh, and Evolve. Evolve is going to be on the same night, I believe, as AEW Fight for the Fallen. The Evolve 10th anniversary show will be on the WWE Network. Triple H knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to cut, undercut AEW as quickly as possible, trying to stop their momentum with an Evolve show. And the Evolve show on paper looks pretty good, too. So I look forward to being able to review both of those uh, shows with you next week on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. And uh, don't forget Instagram, Instagram.com, WrestlingTWT. Also, the YouTube page. We're continuing to add vintage, and to use a Michael Cole phrase, unfortunately, uh, vintage... Um, uh, audio from previous episodes and I'm uh, going digging through the archives. I have a lot of interviews that I've done over the years that I'm trying to find and trying to clean them up so we can put those on the YouTube page as well. YouTube.com. Please subscribe to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And of course, the podcast like you're listening to right now. Um, thanks so much for your support on that as well. And don't forget, tell people about it. Don't, don't be selfish. Tell people. Jonathan Hood's talking wrestling on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And if... It is not airing on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. We'll always have this podcast. That's why I always promote it. This podcast, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Okay, so next week we still got a lot to get to, a lot to talk about, but I'm still having a, you know, in, a, in an afterglow of what we saw on Saturday for MLW. The business is in a really, really good spot. Professional wrestling is in a good spot. No matter where you live, the United States, in Canada, in the UK, in Germany, wherever you're listening to this podcast, man, things are going well. If you're a wrestling fan, it's off the chain. I'm looking forward to it. And don't forget, yeah, some of the stories might be a little bit odd, but that's okay. The wrestling, the guy, the women and the men are working hard, trying to get over, (laughs) trying to let you know that, hey, you know what? We matter. So we appreciate our guest that we had on, um, Stu Myrick. Stu's a really great guy. Met him at uh, StarCast, the first one here in Chicago. 
Uh, he's part of the Horn Sports Radio in Austin. He's on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock Central Time. Sports guys talking wrestling. We'll put the link right there in the description so you can subscribe to his podcast um, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast. Sports guys talking wrestling. As well as the CEO of MLW, that is Court Bauer. Big show. This took place this past Saturday. And of course, their first pay-per-view in Chicago at the Cicero Stadium. All right, I will talk to you next time. Another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here with me, Jonathan Hood. Talk to you soon.